This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek Podcast. This week we are going to review Picard, Star Trek Picard Episode 302, Disengage. But first we've got a little little bit of news to get through. Well, a little bit of news about other things and a lot more Picard news, as always. So let's start with Star Trek Discovery because we have an update on some, I wouldn't call it fake news. <laughs> Well, last week we, we we said that we weren't sh- you know sure how much Wilson Cruz knew when he said season five's coming in the spring. So he saw our article and went to Twitter and said, "Well, when I said spring, you know, I was guessing." <laughs> yeah. Well, so they recorded it a while back, and he was sort of guessing. He said, "That's what I heard then. Now I'm hearing closer to summer, but I'm not the guy who knows." Was I think the gist of what he wanted. to <laughs> Like, he's not the one giving the official word. Well, yeah, it's certainly not official, but he's hearing Summer. So someone is saying Summer to him now, and Summer is still sooner than we thought. Because if they put Discovery out in the summer, what does that mean? Lower Decks is usually the summer slot, but it also means something else would be coming in the spring. Maybe they put Lower Decks between Picard and Discovery this year. Who knows? Or Strange New Worlds. You know, the, the weird thing is, why don't we know? Why the hell don't we know, right? Yeah. It's well, February. I, right. So either they're still working it all out or they've worked it out and have chosen not to announce it for some reason and are planning a big announcement. Which I, I think is coming soon because between April and December, they're going to release four seasons of Star Trek and we have no idea in what order, at what dates, etc. It's time for someone to say something (laughs) speaking of someone saying something michelle paradise popped up she almost never says anything about star trek really on twitter so her first tweet since they wrapped uh season five was this week and it was just kind of one of those updates on like how busy she is doing all the post-production on season five which seems to be well in hand but she ends it by saying let me tell you, it's a hell of a season. So there we go. Right. I mean, they always say that. I'm looking forward to I'm very much looking forward to it. But they always say that. But yeah, she gave some just some details on what they're wrapping up. So as much as you can fit into a tweet. But they're already doing music. Music is one of the last things you do, really, is record yep. the music. Yep. Yeah, it, it, summer's possible, is my point. Yeah, they're in various stages on, on various episodes of post and different things. There is some Strange New Worlds news. Uh, right. I was just asking you because I saw it said Critics' Choice Super Awards. And I'm like, what are the Super Awards? Well, this so, uh, isn't the first year. So the, there's the Critics' Choice Awards, and it was nominated for one of those. Uh, no, 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 Lower Decks was nominated uh, yeah. this year for the Critics' Choice Awards, and it didn't win. But, you know, it's a big deal. Um, but the Critics' Choice Awards are like aren't a lot of television categories, and so they a couple years they spun off this separate Super Awards, which are all genre things, mostly comic book stuff. And I think Discovery and Picard was nominated uh, before this year. There's two nominations for Star Trek, both Strange New Worlds. The show is for Best Sci-Fi or Fantasy Show, going up against Andor for All Mankind, House of Dragon. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Ring of Power, and Stranger Things. So that's some, you know good some company. heavy hitters there, baby. Yeah, and Anson Mount is uh, up for Best Actor, so he's going up against some serious heavy hitters. Samuel Jackson, my goodness, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Adam Scott on Severance. I mean, so you know that's pretty cool. You know, again, Strange New Worlds is just getting a lot of love out there. Yeah. You know, and for fans of the show, the new book, Strange New Worlds, The High Country, came out this week, and we have a review up on the site. And there's a connection to Star Trek Enterprise for fans out there. Enterprise is popping up all over lately. It, it is. It's it's just it's having its moment, you know. And there's another issue of the Strange New Worlds comic book set between seasons out this week, the third yep. of four. Speaking of comic books, IDW, there's a Star Trek annual coming in May, which is going to be a crazy crossover. It, you know, it's got like Kirk, at least one Kirk, I think maybe two Kirks, everyone, Janeway, Archer, they're trying to, you know, make it the biggest cross. I, I thought like Giorgio's in it. It's, it's got everyone in it. So it's got everyone. And this is one where my very talented artist friend, Steffi got to do a cover 
for it. She did a gorgeous Kirk cover yeah. for one of these, which is on the site. I want to say her last name, but I'm going to mispronounce it, so I don't want to <laughs> mangle it. But, uh, you know, I've been a huge fan of her. I've interviewed her for the Star Trek site, um, and I am just giddy and thrilled that she got to do a cover, and I think there are many more in her future. In other merchandise news, this week was the announcement of what we kind of knew was coming, which is the four next generation movies are coming on to 4K Blu-ray HDR. The cool thing is it's coming in April, just in time for First Contact Day. There's a box set of four, and then you can buy each individual. Like if you don't want Nemesis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I haven't done the math to see if it's cheaper to buy the three without Nemesis. Right. I, I personally, I might skip Insurrection. I know you and I disagree. Well, on the, one as well. I well we trade <laughs> off the one that we I I enjoy Insurrection. You can enjoy Nemesis. <laughs> also, in cool news this week, Gates McFadden's podcast has returned. I've been waiting a long time. Uh, the first episode just went up with William Shatner, which is a great way to kick off a new season. Mister William, I don't do podcasts. Shatner, he's. Seems to have he's changed his a, tune. He's well, done, he's done a few. I yeah, think. but recently he seems to have done more. Maybe it's because of the promoting his upcoming documentary, which is premiering at South by Southwest, I think in March. Usually March, yeah. Well, they have a good conversation. I already listened to it. And uh, when, I love that when he is being interviewed, he always starts asking questions as well. He's just interested in people. And so is she. So it's actually a really good combination. So let's switch to Picard news before we get to the review, because it's the week of the premiere. There's just so much stuff out there. And, <laughs> you know, we try to cover it all. The The first thing is I had a chance to speak to Terry after the premiere. This was to really get into the details of what we saw last week, answering some key questions, some of which we had on this podcast. I think we joked about Metallus Prime on the pod last week. Yeah, and I think I can't remember if we if we mentioned that the roots go back to Enterprise, but we did know that. So when he was a, a an assistant on Enterprise, a young writer's assistant, they decided it would be funny to name the most horrible place in the galaxy after him. Yeah. So he kept it going, <laughs> which is pretty funny and smart. He, he says that a writer's assistant on Picard actually suggested it, which is kind of um oh, poetic. Yeah, I like that. That's a recur I mean, we see it again this week, obviously. But yeah. he said it, there's a big story to tell. I think we're going to see a lot of Metallus Prime. Maybe not 10 episodes worth, but I'm betting at least four. Yeah, it's a setting for one of the stories is what he was saying for this underworld story that they want, that they'll be telling for a bit, was what he said. Yeah, a bit sounds like at least three. How <laughs> <laughs> many episodes in a bit? <laughs> so that's not the only Enterprise connection. The, the other one is... And we talked about this last week. And this gets real nerdy. Frontier Day is the 250th anniversary. And you know, last week, I'm like, when exactly is it? Is it? I like know. A... Yeah, I couldn't I work it out. I was sort of laughing because <laughs> I'm, I, I get why you care, but I really don't care. So <laughs> I just think it's so funny like that, it's, that it, it really bugged you. Well, it's not just me. I mean, I've seen a lot of discussion. And, and after my interview, there was even more discussion because people were debating whether this is possible. Okay, so here's here's <laughs> what it is. We travel in different circles, <laughs> you and I. <laughs> we do. Okay, but I'm telling you, there's people, I know there's people listening now who are going to care about this. So he confirmed that the season three of Picard takes place in the year 2401, which means that the 250th anniversary is the 250th anniversary of the launch of the NX-01 um, and Archer's first mission. Now, a lot of people seem to think that season two also took place in 2401. The one I talked to Terry, he thinks that it's 2399 for season one, 2400 for season two, 2401 for season three. You don't care, but people do. Well, no, I'm I'm thinking about um, Rafi's granddaughter that's the that's the one i didn't get to you know i thought about that after i talked to her and i'm like oh wait a minute she's way too old i mean yeah they are 
definitely <laughs> that's the one thing that doesn't make any sense because she's right. definitely and older the- than two. Now she's half Romulan, so you know who knows. You know they went to special doctor and maybe they got an enhanced growth. You know, I mean you could throw in. Some <laughs> I don't cannon. know what the, what the advantage would be of that. Yeah, but, you, you, know, get, but, you know, it doesn't. But they they he obviously wanted to make this connection. You know, to Enterprise. He worked on Enterprise. I think it's great. You know. Yeah. No, that's, you know, look, we all have different things that we're willing to go along with. And one of those, for me, it's one of those things is like, sure, whatever, it's fine. But yeah. I get that we we have, de- you and I have argued different, you know, I can't let go of the Gorn. So we all have our things. <laughs> <laughs> one of the issues with that I think some people have with the first episode, that it's it's overly nostalgic. I mean, what what do you think about that? So I, this is specifically what I was worried about. But I didn't feel that way. I felt it was appropriately nostalgic. I felt like it all tied into what was going on for me and had some meaning to it and was delightful and reminiscent of what I love about Star Trek. So I can, you know, I get super antsy about this kind of thing. And in this, I didn't in this first episode at all. I was just enjoying it. He he, he said he could argue every everything that's in there there's a reason that's the thing and when i have not liked what i would call fan service in other shows whether it's picard or discovery or strange new worlds which is to me the most challenging one in that area is because i feel like it's just there to because somebody thinks it's cool to mention something and they get to show off that they know something and not because it's important to the story. And sometimes it's to the detriment of creating something new and interesting. And I don't feel that way about anything in Picard. I don't think, oh, you should have come up with something new. The, the things that they used all connected and made sense. What's funny is some things get debated, you know, but when I you talk to someone, you realize there wasn't really a lot of thought that went into it. Like the whole thing about Crusher having this shotgun. Right. Apparently it was just like a prop, but they kind of liked the idea and it was almost a spontaneous decision on set. And the same was true of Picard and the reading glasses. Patrick Stewart just said, I want to wear reading glasses. And then they just kind of retrofit it. So, you know, in that case, they said, oh, well, he's he's allergic to retinax, too. Also, you know. And so with her, I think they just sort of decided, well, she's not on a Starfleet mission. Her, so whatever weapons she has might be something we haven't seen before or something outdated. So, I mean, they they do try to come up with a reason for it. And those, I mean, the, the reading glasses, you know, because we talked about it. I did flag those. But the weapon, yeah. I didn't. I didn't care about it was fine i mean i'm not that kind of person who thinks weapons are cool anyway so whatever <laughs> yeah, side note gates mcfadden because people talk about it on twitter because again there are people who care about these things and gates mcfadden sure. responded to one of them revealing that she broke the prop. yeah i love that <laughs> when, she broke it so i mean the other sign of the nostalgia thing is whenever someone looks at something in star trek they say oh this character is just like this character and people are already creating these comparisons to with shot and you know you and i mentioned these other characters too to characters like jellico early on i think when we even had just seen like the first trailer the first time he showed up in anything in a trailer or a clip i mean what's interesting is fans are debating shaw it like is shaw right or wrong on the first episode you know and there are people on both sides and i think watching the second episode is only going to enhance this debate which yeah. is just like the jellico debate well i mean it'll be interesting as the season goes on because i already see big differences you, but... well i'm not saying he's like jellico i'm saying the debate is like the fact that yeah. there's two the fact that there's two sides which like he's Jellico. loving by the way Todd Stashwick is having the best time watching all these, commenting on them, joining in the things that say he's bad, joining in the things that say he's good. He's having a grand old time. So when I asked Terry about creating the character, he said they really weren't talking about people like Styles or Jellico in the room. They were actually talking about Todd and the kind of his whole vibe 
because a lot of the writers, including Terry, are from 12 Monkeys and they work with Todd for years. And when if you've seen 12 Monkeys, it's kind of the same guy. This is his thing. This is how he is as an you know, this is kind of his zone as an actor. He said they called him Captain Stashwick in the room, you know, so because they wanted someone who's not incompetent, but definitely doesn't immediately worship John Luke Picard and Frakes so that they could have that dramatic tension. And I think it's working. I really do. Yeah, I think it works better than what they tried to do in the first season with Anne Magnuson. Because people were just like, what the hell's wrong with her? Yeah, that was terrible. Um. So I think this is a much smarter, more thoughtful, better way to do it. And he he does have tremendous presence. Like he's just compelling. And the anytime he is in a scene, I perk up and pay attention. I mean, I already am, but you know what I mean. There's a curious thing, because I, I think you and I were saying, why does he have Seven as his first officer? He clearly doesn't like her, you know? Um, but I guess there's something coming we don't know, because he said that he likes Seven. He chose Seven. He chose he just, her. That is interesting. Because he sees something in her, but you know, there's something in his past. And actually, this gets into my interview with him uh, from the red carpet. There's something in his past that causes his issues with seven and with picard so that's obviously it's it's got to be well it's it's a borg thing whatever it is borgy yeah people are already making guesses that this has got to be related i mean it could just be generic borg thing you know just some the borg did all sorts of things but people are throwing out like a generic kind of guy he seems like a specific kind of guy a suggestion i've seen a lot online is this must be connected to Wolf 359, which is, again, a little Cisco-like. Doing the math, if it's a guy in his 50s, it would make sense yeah. to have been there. Or it could be a relative of his, like right. this, you know, which was Cisco's issue. Um, a little more about uh, episode one is that season three of Star Trek Picard has already been uh, 100% certified fresh. At Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually like the best any of the new Trek series have done. It's definitely doing better than previous seasons of Picard. Rightly so. I'm curious how Paramount Plus is going to respond to this kind of critical response to the show and fan response. Because the other thing that we're seeing is famously critical fans are actually coming on board. Yeah, there's been a turnaround, I think, for a lot of people. For some very vocal critics, but I think it's earned. I think yeah. it's deserved. So it's a breath of fresh air this this third season. In that article, we also sort of round up a bunch of other stuff, um, including so Dave Blass gave a really nice update on a whole bunch of ships with lots of pictures and details and what they're named for. And then this was one of my favorite things that I read, which is that you know we have these guys working on the show who come from from Legacy Trek, which is Mike Akuda, Denise Akuda, Doug Drexler, and John Eaves. And these creatives decided to give up in episode one their slot in the credits so that other artists could fit in there, which apparently is a longstanding tradition. And they used to do this back in the day also, like during 90s Trek, which I just think is beautiful and so indicative of what these people are all like. I mean, I you know, they're all interesting and generous people and i love that they do that uh, it's great that they're doing this and but you'll see their names in upcoming episodes but uh i've spoken to a lot of these people behind the scenes and they are so excited about this season oh my god they're like beside themselves it's great and yeah. one cool name that was in the credits that i want to mention because he's not going to be in there every week for the same you know he's rotating is our friend Yark Hellebrunt, who does that fantastic Twitter account that always gives updates. Oh, you saw this prop. It comes from here. You know, we've talked about him on the podcast and he was in our best of 2022 roundup that we did. So it turns out for the last two years, I think he has officially been advising the Picard team. Yeah, he's a researcher. Research. You know, Star Trek, yeah. you know, a canon which, researcher, I guess. Which is... Again, like they found exactly the right guy. It's so exciting that he's been doing that. Of course, he should be doing that. And his name actually made it into the credits this week. So that's a fun one, too. 
there, I think even in the comments from our last podcast, people have been at, there's a character on the bridge that kind of looks a little like Odo or the female changeling, but it's only because it, the show's kind of dark and you, you can't really get a good <laughs> look at her. So Terry posted like a nice, well-lit picture and you could tell that there are some similarities, but it's a totally different alien with hair and, you know, stuff. And the race is called a non nonicam, which is named for James McKinnon. Yeah. Uh, who's the makeup designer. I, I don't think this character has any lines or even a name. <laughs> but it has a species. There you go. So the, you know, there's been a lot of interviews out there, but people have noticed that there's one person not doing the publicity tour, which is Brent Spiner. Well, but I mean, he, the other one not doing it is Marina Sirtis, but that's because she is in England. Yes. But Brent wasn't at the red carpet and he lives in L.A. But he did talk to the New York Times with his compadres. He said that they don't let him talk too much because he'll spill things. <laughs> yes. And obviously they've been very cute about they're like, he's playing lore, but he's new, but he's old. But it's all, you know, and you you and I, when we talked to Terry a long time ago, he's like so weaselly when talking about Brent's <laughs> role. It's obvious there's something weird going on here. Yes. I don't know what it is. Again, I've seen some forward, but not that far. So the New York Times interviewer asked if Brent was okay that he's not playing Data this season and that Data died. And he defended Nemesis strongly. I think he's the guy who likes Nemesis. He's the guy. <laughs> um, what I found most interesting is, so then they asked the rest of the cast about Nemesis and they're all like, you know, it was a lost opportunity and, and Patrick Stewart said he didn't really like it. And then Patrick turned around and asked Brent about it, um, you know, which was kind of weird. In the middle of an interview, Patrick asked Brent a question about it and Brent had to defend it again. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I guess it's a bone of contention amongst this group. But, it, you know, they're all glad that, you know, Terry's had his chance to because he said the reason one of the reasons they're doing this is because of Nemesis was really not a good ending like Star Trek six was. Yeah, it's a good interview. Um, I definitely recommend reading it. And also the photos in it are fantastic. Great photos. Great they photos. took absolutely stunning black and white photos of each of the actors and they are just beautiful. So I did a bunch of red carpet things. I talked about some of them last week. The rest of the interviews are all up on the site now. Patrick Stewart one was short, but you know, the most interesting thing he said was that he you know, emphatically that he, yes, he wants to do more. So there you go. You also spoke to Todd Stashwick. Yeah. The biggest news out of this was I asked him, you know, if you make it through the season, you know, would you like to be on Terry's next show? Cause you and I have kind of joked that he's a dead captain walking. Yeah. I see a lot of that on Twitter too. He said that he, you know, he, you know, he, of course, but that he relished being involved with these 10 episodes. And I'm like, I was like 10 episodes. Are you confirming you're in 10 episodes? He's like, Oh, well, you know, there are 10 episodes. <laughs> right. He's like, I just mean that as an example or something. In general, there's 10 yeah. episodes, you know? I mean, but the thing is he's not credited as as regular like Ed Spleers is. So maybe he's not in all 10, but I think he's in for the long haul is now I've, I've changed. I don't think he's dead. Captain walking. I'm putting my money down on. He's going to make it all the way. Yeah. I mean, so I haven't seen all 10, obviously. So I don't know if he's, so this I can speculate on. I'm going to guess that he makes it to the end and then something happens. Yeah, like a, a sacrifice. I mean, every episode you, you're you probably waiting for that moment when he sacrifices himself. He makes the turn and it's going to be a glorious death and all that. So it could happen anytime. I, 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 and I would not be surprised. Um, now, I bet that he doesn't end. He's not going to end the season as the captain of the Titan because they need to put someone else there for the next show and it's obviously going to be jerry ryan yes i mean because terry hasn't said it but he keeps on talking about how he wants to do another show and he really likes jerry ryan, so. no and everyone i mean it's it's a win-win everybody wants it yeah so you know he he dies he get he gets captain piked beeping beeping chair maybe that could be his future <laughs> sure lucky guy <laughs> <laughs> He could come back in the, uh, the the spinoff with the beeping chair. It'll be, I like it. He'd do it. That's the thing. He would do it. 
He'd do any of it. He's having the best time. I talked to the bridge crew, people who you're just sort of seeing. They're getting lines, though, uh, but there is you know, the Vulcan science officer and the, the Hylian communications officer and the Bajoran tactical officer. I talked to those three actors and they said that we will learn more about them and they have an understanding of their characters and their races and they've done their research. And their jobs, like what their specific jobs are, which I felt like the the team on Discovery, I felt like it took them a while to figure out what their jobs were. Yes. And they definitely are very defined now, but they weren't at the beginning. And as I was interviewing them, Terry just decided to interject himself into the middle of the interview and started talking about how great they are and how, you know, by the end of the season, people are going to be asking for more of these guys for his, again, you know, the spinoff show he wants to do on the Titan, obviously. Right. That hasn't been confirmed. So those three are probably going to survive. Even if their bridge consoles explode, they're going to make it. I think. Oh, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure they're going to blow up those bridge consoles. Those things look expensive. The curved screens. <laughs> I mean, those <laughs> they'll blow other stuff up on the bridge, but not those things. Those things just, must have cost a fortune. I, I just want them to turn the lights up on the bridge. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I know. You also spoke to Will Wheaton while you were out there talking to people who is a huge fan of season three of Picard. Has he, has he seen all of it? He's yeah, seen he's, it, he's right? seen he's seen the whole season. I think he's already done all of his ready room interviews because uh, that show is very polished, as you know. And, and yes. um, and I remember months ago hearing about like Frakes going in to do his interview. So, yeah. Yeah. People were posting pictures when they were together and doing those things. But he said that the season is everything he ever wanted from Next Generation or a Star Trek movie and went so far as to say it's the most satisfying season of any Trek series. And he's watched all of them. I mean, that's the fun thing with him is that he watches it all. I think he would watch it all even if it wasn't his job. That's yeah, that's what I said. Like, just pretend you're just you. You're just a nerd. You're just a geek, which was the name of his book. Yep. And that's, you know, he said it in that line of just, it's that good from his point of view. We did talk about the Crusher storyline and he calls her badass and he loves that, you know, because he has a personal connection. That's to, his space mom. Yeah. You know, as a side note, oh, I talked to him about Lower Decks because he, you know, remember a while back I talked to Mike and Mike's like, I want to put him in, but I can't figure it out. And then right. in Mission Chicago, Will was saying, well, I've got this pitch idea. So I asked him about that. And he said he and Mike talk about crazy Wesley ideas, what he called outrageous ideas, pitches that they share that he thinks are hilarious, but sound like stupid it sounds like a joke to him i guess you know which like, sounds like a lower decks episode to me right i mean th that's the thing and i'm like well so are you in you know and right. he's like well you know i'd love to do it you know so it doesn't sound like he's in season four but he might be because you never know they're talking yeah how, i how mean can if this they're not talking happen? that much and mike wants it to happen and and well wheaton wants it to happen it feels like there's no reason it can't happen you know, Will will do. He said he'll do. He'll do any trek anytime. I don't think he's going to be in season three. I mean, maybe another surprise camp, but they already did that. I don't think he's in season three. You know, now that he's a traveler, he could actually turn up on any show at any time. Yeah, that's true. Discovery, anything. Yep, Strange New Worlds, whatever. So there's a bunch of other crap on the website that you should watch. There's probably the most you know for people who want spoilers there's a preview of the season it's got some good stuff in there including all the characters you haven't seen yet like jordy and troy and lore lore indeed and there's a couple videos up this all be in the show notes of there was a reunion in the view there was one at one at the 92nd suite y in new york which you went to and with brian so, yeah, yeah we had a blast so all those will be in the show notes i think we should Stop fuffing around and talk about Disengage. No more fuffing. So let's talk Disengage. Let's start our review. I mean, for me, I felt like it was, I enjoyed it very much and we'll get into the details, but it did, it was definitely a big sort of setup info dump episode. Like we're putting all the pieces in place for how things are going to start really, unra you know, unfolding later in the season. It was one of those episodes where, you know, it had a job to do a couple big yeah. jobs is introduce the villain and let us know the truth about Jack 
including his name, Jack Crusher, and give us a sense of his, a better sense of the character than we got. So it's really an introduction to Jack and an introduction to Vatic, and then also the reintroduction of Worf, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of work, but I mean, I, I very much like this episode just because it's like a series of arguments, you know, like, but they're all these just really great dramatic scenes. Yes. And that the, the key is that every scene was, was entertaining and riveting. So even as they're trying to, get out all this information and i think maybe the trickiest ones and it's the second week in a row where raffi is the one who has to like deliver a lot of information <laughs> just by going over it like she's the most obvious expositional one especially because they have her i guess you know because they didn't want to throw in Worf. i mean we knew Worf was coming but they didn't want to put him in episode one so she's basically talking to herself or talking to her computer. Right. And that's when it's most obviously expositional. But she does what she can with that. She does. Like she, you know, she says, you sent me to do this. But I, but she adds such weight and emotion to it that, that it doesn't seem weird that she's talking about it. You know, there's great drama between Seven and Shaw. I really liked all the stuff between them. Yep. Picard and Shaw as well and Riker relentlessly just saying to Picard do you not see this I mean like it, it started getting a little like because obviously they wanted the big moment this is an ep one of those episodes that was written backwards they knew what they wanted to do in the final scene right so they wrote it backwards so they set up at the beginning with Riker saying you're seeing what I'm seeing right do the math come on you know and it got I I think they was like because they did that two or three times like they just needed to do it once. Oh, I know. I thought it felt very real actually that they did it multiple times. Like I felt like it would have been very TV to do it once, and it felt a lot more real and how people actually talk. That he was just like, dude, come on! Like he was getting super frustrated, and Picard was obviously. But he never choosing. says it's obviously your son. I mean, that's the the words. They crafted it so those words never came out of his mouth. When a friend would have said that. Maybe. D you know, did you know he was your son? Because it's obviously your son. <laughs> I mean, right. No, but obviously he didn't know. So I don't know. I th I, I bought it. I was, I okay. bought it. It felt very real to me. I thought they were, I think that it's like, it's like everyone's in on the joke, but one person, which is Patrick Stewart or, you know, John Luke Picard. Well, but he knows and he's just decided he doesn't want to know right now. And that's why Riker's being like, dude, you got to know. You do know. You know. And the quintessential scene for this episode was their first discussion in the brig. I thought that was just an amazing scene between Spilliers and Stewart and really gave you a sense of who this character is. And you immediately like Jack. He's a lovable rogue, you know, so there is he is kind of an archetype, as it were, you know, a Han Solo-ish, but a doctor. But th that was just, I don't know, I just, I really loved that scene between the two of them. I, it wasn't one of my favorites, but I did like it. Really? Like so what is your favorite scene in the episode? Oh, there's so many. There, there are these great character moments that I thought, and well, I actually had a conflict about one of the scenes that I really loved, which came right at the end. So I was, I'm going to be honest, pissed off that, that Crusher doesn't speak in this episode. That she has no dialogue. But I loved that she and Picard had an entire conversation without using words. I, I think I know what you mean, but that it was I so mean... good. And there was there was a conversation. There was back and forth and reaction and communication and information. So that was a beautiful scene. It just kind of bothered me that the whole episode she's unconscious and then she doesn't say anything but it was so i mean again they wrote the episode backwards so like we want to do this thing where they have right. this moment where they don't and they talk, did but it they well. say volumes and therefore she can't say anything for the whole episode right i don't know i think it worked you know because you could see regret on her yeah, face you could see imploring on her face i mean it was i all wouldn't there. change that scene for anything because it was so well done and they right. both are such strong actors and they conveyed so much. The other scene that really got me emotionally, 
I, I wrote gutted next to it, was Rafi's husband forcing her to choose in a situation where she has to make the choice that she does. Yeah, I mean, that was an amazing scene, definitely. And and you know, honors some of the early stuff we saw with her character in season one. Right, yeah, season and, one. and, and yeah. backstory stuff about her, because you know, he basically said, I could see you're spiraling already down your your kind of conspiracy theory and drug rabbit hole again. Which but is she why, was right with the conspiracy theory the last time. But whatever, you know, from his point of view, he could see she's, you know, going in the wrong direction in that she was just using him because he she wanted information he had about the Ferengi. By the way, it is a little convenient that He's, He's living the on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> but because uh, I'm like, how's her husband here? And it's like, oh, he lives here. Oh, well, that's, you know, amazing coincidence. But he's, he's got it, his own shady business going on already. Right. But it, it it's helpful because they wanted to do the scene in person instead of having her call him on another planet or her go to another planet. So, you know, I'm fine with that. I thought it was a great scene. And that, yeah, that choice of um, either. I could help you with your son or I could help you with the Ferengi bad guy, but not both. Brutal. It was brutal. And and she made the choice she has to make. Like, there are a lot of lives at stake. And it's the same choice any of our characters would make. And it was a horrible, horrible choice. And I just, her acting so good. But that scene just destroyed me. I was like, no, oh, oh, it's just so harsh. This episode, I thought, had two really good guest stars. The first of which is special guest star, Amanda Plummer. I mean, I think she might be polarizing. I'm loving the fact she's just turning it up to 11. She is just (laughs) so over the top. And it's different than some of her other performances. You know, there's elements of her other performances, but it's just so deliciously weird. And I mean, just the maniacal laughing, all of it. I'm just I'm just loving it. It's 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 I think it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to some nuance <laughs> yeah. like it like just understanding what it is that she's doing but she is having a blast and it's it's definitely infectious we don't know her motivation she's saying she's a bounty hunter no one really believes that every no they said over and over they've said that's not what it is yeah i mean the well, other characters are saying there's no way yeah. that that's that that's what it is and we know that in that first scene right that first scene they said you know, the thing that took place weeks ago when he's trading with those guys and they said something about like, we t- tell the marked woman that they- we found him or something. Yeah. So that guy works for her or I couldn't tell, like, was he a real Fenris Ranger or was he pretending to be a Fenris Ranger? Yeah, I couldn't. T- I was like, I don't know what's going on there. It doesn't match what we've heard about the Fenris Rangers. Yeah, because but- they're kind of not. I mean, they, they sort of made them out to be not good guys, but because. Uh, we thought the Fenris Rangers were good guys. We thought they were like guardian angels in New York City. Yeah, well, they're not pure. I mean, you know, they Seven well, joined them because they weren't like Starfleet. Yeah. So that it's not, you know, they 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 play by their own rules and all that. But this That's, guy's taking bribes and kind of a right. jerk. And the other thing about the Plumber character in Vatic is she sets this episode up in a classic ticking clock, and they just couldn't help themselves. She had to literally talk about clocks. Yes, she did. And smoke, just in case you weren't sure that she was bad. Yeah, I mean, she's full of weird anachronisms. Uh, you know, um, she she named her ship after a, a weird bird. Um, did you read about that bird? Do you know what that bird does with its yeah, prey? Yeah, it's, it's creepy stuff, for sure. But It impales why? its prey to come she's... back and finish eating later. Yeah. That's what the bird does. Uncool. <laughs> Very, you know, but the she's obviously not from Earth because the way she talks about Earth, she's not human. Um, we don't know what she is. We know she has access to very detailed Starfleet records. Yeah, she knew about Shaw's backstory. He's got a psych profile, and she knows so much about John Luc Picard that she likes to speak with a French accent. Yes, talks, I mean, and she knows that he's got a fake body. Yeah, so you're liking her, but you want to see more. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm enjoying her, but if I got too much of this. And not enough of something else, I would start to run out of patience. But I also trust in her because I know that she's just a phenomenal actress. But you wanted to talk about the Ferengi, Sneed. Yeah, so I'm 
you know, the Ferengi have always been fascinating. I'm a big DS9 fan. You know, they were introduced terribly on TNG to be a main villain, and then they they were rehabilitated on DS9. But there's kind of a lovable, fun side to their capriciousness on you know DS9. This guy may be what the Ferengi should have always been. You know, ruthless, brutal gangsters, and I I just loved the character, even though. Again, it's a alien who seems to have a thing for stuff from Earth, which yes. Is, <laughs> but short of that, I just I loved the whole scene. He was good. Now, th- there's an interesting connection here with Twelve Monkeys because Aaron San- Stanford, who plays Sneed, was the lead on Twelve Monkeys, who played James Cole. Well, did you notice the name James Cole? Yes, that was one, <laughs> you know, so the, so yeah, because the, these writers, the guy who wrote this was also on 12 Monkeys with Terry. So they're enjoying themselves for sure. But mostly I just enjoyed Sneed and all his just weird stuff and, and how, you know, he really was a scary guy for sure. Yeah. Well, let's just explain the James Cole thing. So when they gave the list of aliases for Jack Crusher, that was, they were all J.C., I was surprised none of them were Jesus Christ, but okay. But uh, <laughs> but one of them was James Cole. Yes, you know, and of course, the, you know what people are mostly going to talk about the scene is the triumphant return of Worf and the beheading. <laughs> Why did Worf cut Sneed's head off? Because Sneed, his whole thing was, "I'm not going to give up." He referred to the big fish, so there, you know, which could be the marked lady but there's someone he's working for yep and the whole point of rafi's mission was to find out who that was she failed Worf had to come in and save her and um and ruin any chance of getting the information i didn't know why he didn't just come in with some weapon where he could stun people i don't know i was yeah a little odd to come in and just start killing everybody well he was in a, a rush to you know because she well stunning would have been faster but sure (laughs) i don't know i mean i get that he can't come in with a you know he's he's starfleet intelligence i mean is he i mean i'm starting i'm not sure he is i think he's he's working for starfleet but i'm not i'm not sure he's she's working for starfleet intelligence he's her handler yeah but i I don't know he didn't do it the starfleet way you don't (laughs) It starts stabbing people that like that and cutting people's no, heads off. And you know. someone had thrown in, I forget who said a section that was it, was it the Ferengi who said section 31? He was. Yeah. And that made me a little nervous. Um, and I was hoping it was just a throwaway mention, but then I thought, well, that would explain Worf just killing people, but yeah, that's that's, still. now why, I mean, it is a kind of um, cop movie trope, the, the undercover cop, you know, to prove you're not a cop, you have to do the drugs. Yeah. We, you know, how many cop movies have you seen where they do the drugs? That's, you know, and then they, uh, so she did the drugs and she That was tri- agonizing too. Yeah. Because apparently these are super, super space drugs um, and she was loving it. The upcoming episodes are definitely, she's going to have some issues. Uh, yeah. Coming, coming down from all of that. Yeah. No, that was scary. It was scary. You really feel for her when you're watching. So, but, and now we've kind of firmly established the two storylines. We've got Rafi and Worf together, finally, in person on Metallus Prime. And what a good duo. I'm so looking forward to more with them. And then we've got the, the, the Titan gang dealing with what they're dealing with off there. That Those seem to be, uh, you know, I don't know how long they could keep these separate. I'm guessing at least a couple more episodes to justify paying for all those sets on Metallus Prime. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, I mean that wharf moment, you know, the music. The, this episode had a couple of just amazing moments. Seeing him doing his thing, you know, with the Klingon music, it was fantastic. I agree. Uh, the the I other agree. awesome moment was when the Elios was trapped. Yes, uh, I have that in my notes. That I got a rush when the Titan broke that tractor beam. Yeah. And appeared like that. That was one of those beautiful Star Trek moments yeah. that we just love. Yep. Fantastic. And then just to show how badass they are, when Vadix 
when the Shrike just throws the Elios. I mean, that wasn't as, you know, the, the, the Titan was more heroic, but that was what they're, they're doing things on this show. Cause it's, you know, we've seen a lot of Star Trek and Star Wars and space stuff before. So it's kind of hard to come up with new things, right? That was, that was new. There was some new thing. <laughs> Throwing <laughs> a ship at somebody. <laughs> yeah. And it'll, it, your Picard's like, what did she just do? You know, and I think uh, little LaForge said she threw a ship at us. So. Yeah. By the way, I liked how she had a little techno babble moment after yep. that, <laughs> channeling her dad for sure. So she's starting to grow on. I mean, she was, you know, we didn't know much about her in there, but we could, we could start seeing how she's really a character. Yeah. I like her already anyway. More so than those other three that we talked about earlier in the news. I mean, she's oh, no, definitely she's got a lot more lines. We know who she is. We already know some backstory about her because of who she is. So, yeah. and you know, we know there's going to be more with her. We still don't. I mean, I guess if you didn't know about it, because Vatic was introduced, but we know, we don't really know why. And, and I guess what we know now is she wants Jack for some reason. Yes. Like what, you know, so, so it's not because if she had a thing, if she was out for revenge, so she's not Khan wanting revenge against Picard because she could easily just blow up that ship. No, she wants Jack and she wants him alive. Right. Which Picard figured out early on, you know, he knew somebody wanted Jack alive with the whole transporter inhibitor thing. But we still kind of don't know why. I mean, that is a weird thing. There's something about Jack. He's obviously very important. <laughs> While we're talking about Jack, we need to have a conversation about his name. Yeah. So. I don't. I I mean, first of all, I still, the whole idea that, which they'll get into later about why she didn't tell Jean-Luc as a whole conversation we'll save for another episode when they do dig into it. But the name choice is very strange to me. Because she's named Picard's son after her dead husband, who's Wesley's dad. Yes. And that and, is just weird. And he was Picard's friend. And he was Picard's best friend. Best so, friend. Yeah. Yeah. They were like best buds. So, and at the time, Picard was in love with her when she was with Jack. We know that. He told her that. But in one of the. She, in attack. I, I mean, so yeah, it I, is the, weird. The name now, choice... So it's not the fact that she chose Crusher, because that's her That's her name. So obviously any kid she has is going to be named Crusher. It'd be well, Bob that's Crusher, also Steve Crusher. For all of Star Trek's being progressive, it has always been so retro with married people and names. That's always, true. but it's and Wesley it's always, Crusher. She, you know, she was. At I least know, consistent. but it's always bothered me with the married, the misses this and the misses that. As I mean, it's it's twenty twenty three. Lots of women don't take their husbands' names, and occasionally the husband takes the wife's name. Rare, but fun. But yeah, so there's that. But naming him Jack Crusher is just it feels weird and icky in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I, I. I I mean, I didn't have a strong response, but I'm like, that's a little weird. You know? Oh, I had a strong... Uh, I was like, I don't think Wesley would like that. That's a good point. I guess it's best that he is a intergalactic traveler and not, you know, hanging around saying, Mom, why'd you name him after my dad is dead? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> all... I just think it's a weird and awkward choice that I feel like Beverly wouldn't make so that's you know which ties into the not telling Picard part so we'll we'll see how that goes jury's out but I have issues it almost seems like a name built so that she wouldn't tell him like you know because the name is so weird that she was obviously thinking from the start she's never going to tell him about this kid although it seems pretty clear that he knows Picard's his dad because he was talking about the vineyard and I don't know, just he knew a lot about. Well, he knows Picard. things about Picard. But why would he know that much? But when Picard said, who's your father? And he's like, I never had a father. So. I yeah, know. but I, I there's layers. There's meaning. I, I, I sensed he was saying you were never my father. So therefore, I never had a father. But I know who you are. The anger that he has for Picard is the anger of 
someone who feels who sees him as an you know abandoned him i think I he seems know. to have some anger i think he has some anger for picard i mind. don't think i think of all things my beverly if she was already gonna do the bad thing of not telling picard i don't think she'd have some bullshit story about how he abandoned them no so. but she there was a she had to tell him that there's a reason why you're not allowed to see your father, you know? So, um, there's, there's more to this story, obviously. Yeah. Which we'll find out. And I don't want to get too in the weeds on it because we know there's going to be more in future episodes, but the name is just going to keep bugging me. I think <laughs> for this, this, yeah. Cause this was the crux of the episode. You know, do you hand over Jack? Do you not hand over Jack? And one thing I liked about it is that no matter how emotional and dramatic it was that, Picard and to you know to an extent Riker but it was he was being very classic Picard he was you know I stand up for the rule of law no matter how many crimes this kid has done yeah Riker too just as much I thought he was protesting the only thing I thought was weird was that Shaw was ready to give up Beverly's son but when he found out it was Jean-Luc's son that's he changed his mind I don't think he changed his mind <laughs> I think he's like well I could see how I'm not going to be able to talk you out of this. And you're pulling the Admiral card and I guess we're just stuck with this. So I, I think it was more like he caved in in the end, but he definitely wants to give the kid up because he's worried about his crew. Once it became personal, because that's the interesting thing about Picard is he had these highfalutin ideals, but in the end he's like, screw it. It's my kid. You know, and it just, right. Personal. But Shaw was like, let him go. He's not worth the lives of my crew. And then as soon as Picard said, he's my son, Shaw's like, God damn it. Ugh. But he also said, this is on you. He's kind of just giving up. He's essentially handing responsibility to Picard. He's saying, well, it's obviously personal to you. I'm not going to stand in the way of, you know, I'm not going right. to hand and your kid over. That's, that's what he's I'm protesting, that he would have handed Beverly's kid over, but not Picard's kid. But this also gets to the Seven conversation earlier. Do you want to be the guy who let these legends die? And does he want to be the guy who handed over John Luke Picard's kid to, you know, someone who's clearly just going to kill him? Right. Um, or, well, he wants him alive, but definitely, you know, Riker's point was they're probably going to kill him. It should be obvious to everyone, she's not a bounty hunter. That ship had every weapon in the world. It yes. is the boogeyman ship. She's not a bounty hunter. You know, so this is like it's so obviously a lie. Um, but he was that's the thing that bothered me about Shaw is he never everyone else was like, This is obviously not true. And he's like, Right. But he kept on pretending he called her the bounty hunter. So the question is, was he doing that, you know, just for the sake of his log entry, or was he actually falling for it? I don't think he he's not that stupid. I don't think he's stupid, but I think his, they've already made it clear in this episode, he's very, very focused on his crew and staying out of danger, which now he can't because they've pulled him in. And by the way, not once have they apologized to him. I mean, I got to say, he's a jerk, but they put his whole ship in danger through some sneaky, cute thing they wanted to do. Right. They're all about to die and... And nobody's you know, like, dude, we shouldn't have done this. We're sorry. <laughs> so to some degree. But he, he, he should be flying around doing fleet maneuvers. Like his right, week was planned. He wants a safe crew. I mean, it's a weird, again, it's, I know we'll get into it more, but it's like, I know that he wants his crew safe and alive, but it's sort of like being a football coach who doesn't want his players to get injured. Like that's part of being on a crew. He's risk. very risk averse. He's overly right. risk averse. Which is an unusual quality in a captain. Yes. But I feel like this case, they've, they're already planting seeds of some kind of trauma or how this happened. And it is noble to protect your crew. So it's, I'm, I'm intrigued versus um, skeptical. Although remember, this is not a battleship. This is not a frontline ship like an Enterprise. It's an exploration vessel that's kind of an underdog ship. Right. But so, if you're exploring, then you don't go exploring. If you want safety, then you don't become an explorer. Fair enough. But I think he's very complex. So I think we're going to get a lot more of of these layers of him and why he's like that. Yeah. And I look forward to it. I mean, let me ask you this. Just zooming out. Do you feel because I feel like this is a a complete episode because 
there was a, an arc to it, it ending with the revelation of, you know, it's my son. So do you see this just as a bridge episode? Because I see it as a complete episode. I felt it was mostly a bridge episode. I did. Okay. Not like an on the bridge episode. <laughs> <laughs> but a bridge episode. There's one little plot point. I don't think we've, I don't know if you noticed this because it's my guy. But did you notice Side Eye Guy? Remember Side Eye Guy from episode one? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Who's at the bar in, and he's on the ship. No, not in the bar. I don't think it's the same guy from the bar. Okay. But the guy who's on the ship, definitely, is in the transporter room with Seven and Jack. Oh. Did he um, do anything weird? No, he just stood there. But I was like, there's a there's a reason he's here. That's Side Eye. There's something going on with that guy. Right. I mean, this gets to, you know, back to the Fenris Ranger guy at the beginning of there's people working for Vatic out there, which is why Beverly said, trust no one. And right. she's got a, a, you know, a network of people out there. And that's probably one of them. Something, but there's definitely something going up, going on. Yeah. Now, we last week had a theory. I'm still sticking with the same theory, although. You know, the the weird thing is when when so when Jack talked about it the previous week, he said their faces changed and that sounded very changeling. But now like it could be people posing as just, you know, Fenris Rangers. like those guys at the beginning were posing as Fenris Rangers and so they were just imposters. Yeah, didn't he he said something else about Starfleet guys? He said it was first it was Fenris Rangers, then Klingons, then three guys in Starfleet uniforms who tried to prime direct me into an early right, which, grave. And that, that that could have just been three guys in Starfleet uniforms. So right. I made a big deal last week about the, um, we recorded it weeks ago, but about their faces keep on changing. Because that sounded like he saw them. Yeah. It's just that there's different people who keep showing up in different uniforms, but they're not changing. They're just, you know, they people right. keep on coming after them. And they could all just be part of this network working for Vatic um, or someone above Vatic. We don't know. Sneed is, you know, because Sneed's not, you know, uh, a changeling. Sneed's a Ferengi. You Dead know, Ferengi. Sneed's, yeah, he's a headless Sneed's, Ferengi. Yeah. Yeah. He's part of that network, obviously. So it could be like a criminal underworld where there is a, you know, a dawn, you know, and maybe Vatic's not the dawn, you know, maybe it's someone else. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are many theories out there and uh, I don't want to stick with just one at this point is my point. <laughs> okay. Fair I, enough. I'm looking for options here, but I find it fascinating. There's definitely a conspiracy of some sort. And I, yep. I don't necessarily mean the episode conspiracy, even though a lot of fans think that, those space oh, bugs yeah. are coming back. That's like a, a big thing. They are. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, could, I mean, it's Terry. They, he could totally do that. Of course. No, and it's an, it was never followed up on. And he loves following up on stuff that was never followed up on. Yeah. So, so <laughs> could be. Yeah. Which would be kind of awesome, actually. So I'm I'm open to all sorts of possibilities. Yeah, same. Um, I wanted to mention one other nice little moment that I liked was when Shaw says to Picard, like, whatever happens next, Admiral, it's on you. Picard gives him this, like, pat on the shoulder. Yeah. Did you notice it? There was something really nice about that because it was Picard taking a moment to be like, okay, let's be on the same side right now. Yeah, because Shaw was getting in the captain's chair, right. doing captainy things, it ordering was this and that. Yeah, he was saying, you're in command, but... Thank you. Right. Was a, you know, yeah. right. Unlike earlier, when someone goes, Captain, and you hear more than one, yes, what is it? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure out if Picard also said yes. I think he did. I think um, it was Picard and Shaw. I was trying to figure Riker. out if Riker, yeah. So I was know, like, Riker definitely said yes. Okay, because I also heard Picard say it. So. Well, also, um, Jack called him Captain Picard, didn't he? Yes. Earlier on. He said something about his, like, his history remembers him with one less pip or something but does he have pips does he have five pips i don't think on his little badge yeah, that I seems like know. a line of dialogue that was written before they saw the yeah design possibly. of his badge you know because i don't think he's got I, mean, I don't know maybe he does i'll have to zoom in on it but i don't think he's got five pips oh you got you got your hands full with zooming in in this one there's like that list of ferengi that included quark and brunt and there's just there are a lot of things for you to 
dig into. One of Sneed's contacts, one of his known associates was Morn. There you go. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff in there yeah, for you. That was that was a good one. For you Zoomers. Uh, and the shuttle that they blew up at the beginning was called Savik. Oh, there you go. Which we know Savik was the captain of the first Titan way back right. in the 23rd, which means she's dead because you don't name a shuttle after someone who's alive. But, you know, fair enough. Sneed had a baseball. People are going to be like, oh, he's got Cisco's baseball. There's no way that's Cisco's no, baseball. No, it's not Cisco's baseball. He had a hand grenade <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do. I'm thinking more about what you asked me. Like, do I see this as a bridge episode? And I do. But I also think it had a theme just within the episode itself, which I thought was because it was reflected in both of the two stories, family versus duty. Saving a life when the cost is risking other lives. How do you make decisions about who gets saved and who doesn't and when you have to stick by your family and when you have to, you know, take care of your responsibilities? Well, that's why I like the two scenes. You've got the scene with Picard in the the brig where he wraps that scene up by saying, no matter what you've done, my, you know, my duty is to keep you safe and keep this crew safe. Right. And I have 18 minutes to figure out a plan or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah the taking, cl- they kept on mentioning the time, but then at the <laughs> end he goes with family, you know, so he's torn between these two sides and those two scenes were the two sides of that. I guess what we're supposed to think is he was in denial because he's like, don't speculate will in the elevator right. scene. And it wasn't until he saw Beverly that he's like, Oh my God, it's my son. When like it's like kind of everyone's like it's your son, <laughs> come on, why can't you yeah. see this? Well, I thought that moment was also weighted with the fact that he hasn't seen her in twenty years. There was a lot yeah. going on. So, but yes, Riker got her because he knew that Picard was going to stay in denial, even though he yeah. did know. He obviously knew, and he was pushing it away. So Riker was like, "You can't push it away. Look at her face." Look at her amazing. Look at this face. Look at her amazing face. I love her yeah. face. I wish she'd spoken, but not in that scene. So, but that I I thought, and it was Rafi's theme also. Yeah, definitely good. Good, good observation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's you know it's 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 the same kind of stuff. All we ask ourselves all those questions now. You know, with our even when we're not flying starships and lives aren't at stake, but that's always the debate. Right, the things you have to do in family, and what happens when they're in conflict. But I, st- I think fans are going to be still jazzed about the show. You could love the little Star Trek moments of the Titan and the Wharf. I come away loving the drama, which is different than a typical episode of Next Generation, but works. There wasn't as much humor in the no. first episode, but still, like the three captains thing was funny. Yeah, there were much there were much smaller moments and fewer, but that fit in with what's happening. They weren't in mortal danger as much yeah. in the first episode. Riker, yeah, Riker had a lot of good ones. And I guess I mean there was some humor to his poking Picard. Shaw is getting a lot of good lines. His we're basically a hotel now was funny. Yeah, I thought that was a good line. That was I jotted that one down. It was good. He and Riker are kind of the kings of comedy so far. I think Jack will probably be good for some humor. He had some kind of cute lines here. No real laugh out louds. Um, you know, I think some people could laugh at Vatic just because this, the over the topness and everything about her is just so wild. Certainly the cackling. <laughs> they literally ended the episode with maniacal laughter. I, mean, I know. So- <laughs> Like unseen, you know, they faded to black, but they kept the maniacal laughter going. Yeah, it was almost like lower decks level. (laughs) Yeah. You know. So I smiled at that for sure. But I think some, you know, some people may say this is too much. And I I can't argue with that. I was going to say, I have, I I have no rebuttal. So. Yeah. You either deal with it or not, but it is, you know, yes, it is too much, but I kind of liked it. You know, so well. That's how I felt about Riker yelling at Picard. The same thing. So sometimes it comes down to taste. He wasn't yelling at Picard. He was, you know, my repeating, issue was, repeating yeah. his. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. I know what you mean. He was poking, <laughs> poking him. He was poking um, the bear. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I liked his do the math. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, yep. 
Although, again, doing the math, 20 years, he doesn't look, you know, I, I'm I doing know. the math. He doesn't look. Everyone's aging in strange ways in this episode or yeah. whatever in this show already this season. Anyway, yeah. I think that is pretty much our review of Star Trek Picard season three, episode two. Let's wrap things up. We'll be quick on this one with our bits of the week. Tony, what's yours? Well, you know, I never do these because it's so hard to like because we can't show it to you. But there's a YouTube channel I really like called Arl Knots, and they do these great audio edits of movies, a lot of Star Wars stuff. And they've re-edited the Star Trek Picard 3 trailer. And the link is in the show notes. It's hilarious. It's very well done. And I guarantee you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I watched I watched some of it and it made me laugh. I need to sit. I need to dedicate just a few short minutes to watch the rest of it. <laughs> What's your thing? My thing is my friends, I just have been raving about them so much. So I thought I'd just bring them up on this podcast. The Sci-Fi Sisters have a podcast. These are four black women who look at science fiction, primarily Star Trek, through the lens of their own experience and who they are and black history. And they know Star Trek backwards and forwards. They are funny. They are smart. They actually know movies and TV backwards and forwards. They all have great life stories too. They have done some of the most phenomenal interviews. And so I recommend just they're on all the platforms. So I would say just go listen to whatever you find. Some of the highlights for me so far, David Livingston, prolific director of Star Trek, Alexander Siddig interview was unbelievable. If you listen to their one with Sonequa, they give the history of how they got together, which I thought was really fascinating. And Sonequa loved it. And when you hear how people respond to them too, you're like, oh, these are great interviews because they're true conversations. And then they had a really great one about hair on Star Trek, which I thought was great. I love them. I've met them a bunch of times. I was on a panel with them. We're going to see them in Vegas when we go. These women are so fascinating. And the people that they interview are delighted to be talking to them. I haven't gone through the back catalog, but I have enjoyed a few episodes of their podcast. And they're definitely... And it was great having Sabrina on this podcast. And I believe she was also on the shuttle pod as well. I think they had all of them on the show. They took over the shuttle pod. Right. At some point. And then I did that. I just did a panel with them for a uh, virtual Trek on, which I was talking about last week. I mean, it's nuts. We're literally just laughing our asses off the whole time. It was so much fun. I mean, there are a lot of Star Trek podcasts out there, but I think there's something really special about this one. So that's it for another episode of All Access Star Trek. See you next Friday for the review of episode three of Star Trek Picard season three. Goodbye.